When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, back with you with another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod, joined by my man, Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor tonight. This is episode 373. We are breaking down the NFC free agency recap. Joined once again by our man, Joe Volpe, a.k.a. Fantasy Football Analyst. We'll bring him in in just a second, but Bobby... I want to kind of just um, – we did have a couple AFC moves after last episode. Last episode with Joe, we broke down the entire AFC, and of course, per podcast, a couple moves broke. We're going to get through those in just a second, but did you – you know, is there one particular thing that you took away from last episode when we broke down the entire conference of the AFC that we can look forward to uh, with this one as we break down the NFC? Mm, uh, well, I mean – I think it's just highlighting some of the guys that go to places where they can flourish. I think that's one of the things that I want to look at. Overcrowding is never always a good thing, like the Houston Texans, and kind of looking at some of the NFC teams where some of the looms might leave you with your head scratching. But there was a couple things we'll talk about in a second that happened that will, you know, with the AFC piece. But overall, for the NFC, Kenny Galladay going to the Giants, I'm already happy. We could just do the whole episode on that, and I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> My man, absolutely, absolutely ecstatic. You are a Giants fan. I'm a 49er fan. We gave Joe his piece with the Patriots last episode, so we're going to rock some AFC or some NFC. We did AFC last episode on 372. Make sure you're following us on uh, Twitter. You can follow me at Sky Guasco. My name, pretty simple there. Bobby Lamarco at FFX Factor on Instagram, fantasy football underscore TCK pod on TikTok at TCK pod and on the Facebook group as well. Per usual, we're streaming live. Feel free if you're jumping into YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, or Facebook, you can jump into our comment section and we will get to as much of the commentary as possible. But without any further ado, we do have a lot to cover. So let's bring in our guest. For the evening, once again, my man, Ooh. Joe Volpe, a.k.a. Fantasy Football Analyst. Joe, it's really great to have you back, brother. How are you? 
Yeah, good, good. It's been an eventful two days for the AFC. Um, you know, for the NFC, it's been awesome for their offseason. You mentioned Kenny Galladay, so I'm excited to get into some of these guys. I feel like there's a lot more names in the NFC than the AFC, so this should be a fun episode. You know, it's super interesting, and we're going to, again, we're going to double up on a, like f- four or five extra names in the AFC that came in today and yesterday we didn't cover on Tuesday. But what's actually funny about this is there's actually 40 names exactly on the two spreadsheets that we're sharing. So if you go back and check it out, there's wow. 40 on the AFC, 40 on the NFC. With the original sheet, a couple of guys have been added and stuff since then, but uh, it actually is pretty pretty uh, awesome. similar. But um, I, I'm with you. There's a lot going on. All right, Joe, we appreciate you coming back on again. Bobby and I um, sang your praises last episode. Uh, we won't spend too much time on that again this time, but uh, he and I have <laughs> no, been no, following. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. We, yeah, <laughs> we've, been, we've been following your content for, for quite a long time, a handful of years. You just set, uh, celebrated your fourth season uh, with your page. You're up over you know 47,000 or so followers on Instagram. So once again, TCK Potters, make sure to go give Joe some extra love and a follow on IG at fantasy.football.analyst. Make sure you have those periods in there. Okay, boys, before we get in this here, we do have a lot in the NFC, but we do want to recap just a couple extra names additional to our conversation from Tuesday. Tonight here, let's jump into a couple AFC additions. We're going to start with T.Y. Hilton, 31 years old, formerly of the Colts, stays with the Colts, re-signs for one year, $8 million. A lot of people thought he was going to leave town. I personally did as well, but they do bring him back when you're $8 million. Demarcus Robinson, I think uh, kind of a, a sleepy unsung hero overall for the Chiefs over the years. 26 years old, re-signs with the Chiefs as well. One year, uh, just over a million-dollar deal there. Um, and then Tevin Coleman, <sighs> former, uh, was supposed to break out and be amazing in Atlanta. Didn't really get the opportunity when Devonta Freeman left. He goes to San Francisco. He gets beat up. He ends up slowing way down. He gets passed up by about four guys on the depth chart. Tevin Coleman signs with a one-year deal, $2 million with the Jets. We have a couple other lower-tier names, but let's start here. T.Y. Hilton, back with the Colts. Demarcus Robinson, back with the Chiefs. And Tevin Coleman ships across the country over to the New York football Jets. Now, it kind of makes sense because he does – he does have his former offensive coordinator. He does have his head coach, oh, defensive coordinator, now head coach. So he has some 49er ties, um, but kind of a puzzling call if the Jets are really trying to turn the page because Tevin Coleman's on the wrong side of just 27, but isn't looking very explosive these days. Yeah, Joe, I'll let you take it. Yeah, so in, in terms of Tevin Coleman, um, I think this is the right move if you're going to make a good move for a running back. In the draft. So if your focus is the draft, I think Tevin Coleman's a perfect backup bridge type guy to have a rookie um, go with him. Um, Good depth, I would say. Someone who's familiar with the system. And that's exactly what they want there. So uh, football move, I like it. If they don't draft a running back and their plan is just Tevin Coleman, then, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot to to hate. I, I guess it's better than the situation of just having LaMichael P. Ryan uh, Perrine, I guess I, I always mess up that last name. P Ryan, P Samaje, you know, they all get me, but, um, between P Ryan and, uh, what's the other Ty Johnson. So Frank Gore, obviously not staying there. I don't, but there's no word on if he's retired yet. So that's going to be interesting as well. So, uh, yeah, it's having Coleman as of right now, the de facto guy in New York, but I'm expecting that to change with the draft. 
Yeah, and I, I, I'm with the whole Tevin Coleman thing. Sometimes bringing that veteran who's been in this kind of system, dating back to Kyle Shanahan's days in Atlanta. So I get it, but it's just like I want to have fun. I want to like some Philip Lindsay spice there, you know, like good young back, good, you know. But you know, I don't get what I want all the time, so it's all right. Uh, T.Y. Hilton to me is, you know, maybe Carson Wentz brings the curse and he gets hurt again because Carson Wentz's weapons always get hurt, but. His weapons between T.Y. Hilton and and with Michael Pittman are probably a better duo than he's had the last couple seasons in Philly because of all the injuries in Philly. So I do like the move because it, he is a nice complement to a guy like Michael Pittman, a big physical receiver. Uh, and then you got T.Y. Hilton take the top off and then Paris Campbell in the slot. So I do like the move for Carson Wentz in that offense. Can he just stay healthy? Can he play, you know, 14 games minimum? to Because if he goes down, you're going back to Zach Pascal and players like that. For Demarcus Robinson, I this is interesting to me because there's no Sammy Watkins. Now, mm-hmm. Watkins, there's a lot of noise going on that he might leave and go, but he could resign too. We don't know that yet. It, it's possible. But if he does leave, that number two wide receiver battle, because Demarcus Robinson has the trust of the coaching staff. Nicole Harmon's got the talent, but it, he doesn't seem consistent. They don't play him enough, right? So Demarcus Robinson could fall into that wide receiver two role led by Patrick Mahomes. So if you combine, you know, most of Sammy Watkins' targets and throw it over to Marcus Robinson's, now you're talking maybe a low-end wide receiver three, maybe like a wide receiver four in fantasy. So I think there is something there. But Miko Harmon and him, that wide receiver two battles would be pretty important. I think Demarcus Robinson could absolutely be a uh, sleeper dark horse pick. Forgot about in fantasy and dynasty, only 26 years old, uh, but also in redraft because you're right, Bobby. And and look, the reality is, I mean, even as a third, fourth, fifth option in that offense over the last two years. He has random weeks where he has like eight end zone targets because Tyreek and and uh, Kelsey are getting triple teamed in the end zone. Demarcus Robinson's that next guy, and he he gets opportunities already. You're opening it up now, and uh, we're able to see that. So keep an eye on Demarcus Robinson. A couple of the names here; these aren't sexy names, um, but quickly just mentioning Matt Breida. Uh, still just 26. He feels much older than that. But 26 years old, started with the 49ers, goes to the Dolphins, one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills, who already have two young running backs. That's interesting. And Taiwan Jones and C.J. Beathard um, to Buffalo and Jacksonville. Not necessarily need to cover those guys. But Matt Breida um, heading to uh, Buffalo. Uh, Zach Moss, promising rookie, came in last year, didn't really catch his feet, got injured. Singletary came off of a nice rookie season himself, but his second-year campaign didn't really have the burst of the big plays. We know that Josh Allen is kind of the goal line back already there, and now they have Stephon Diggs as well, um, and and John Brown, who they just uh, you know had it in the offseason as well. So how do we feel about Matt Breida, if at all, and maybe this backfield in general um, in Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, I think Buffalo at this point just wants something to click. They just want – They just need a consistent running game, whether it's Singletary, whether it's Matt Breida taking on a bigger role, whether it's Zach Moss. They just want something to click at this point. And I think drafting another running back, if they're not going to spend that first rounder, which they really shouldn't, um, you know, if they draft another running back in the second or third round, you might just get the same result you got the last two years of drafting running back in the second or third round. So, um, you know, for them, I, I guess it makes sense to add a veteran who's had flashes in the NFL. You know, if Matt Breida ends up being the guy, I don't think they really care. I think they just want a running game in this offense. So uh, I'm not someone I'm really interested in for fantasy. And, you know, the Buffalo duo was starting to look not so hot for fantasy either. So uh, I guess it helps to, you know, maybe it'll drop their ADPs a little bit. allow you to take that chance on Zach Moss in the seventh 
or eighth round as opposed to sixth or seventh. And then Singletary, as we know, probably not someone we're looking at. Bobby, which of these backs would you be interested, if at all, uh, come draft time? Whether it's ADP, they're all going to be late rounders, whatever. Are you going to target any one of these backs in Buffalo? No. Uh, Just not to get too detailed, it's just the fact that this offense has proven time again they can go four wide and they can just air it out with Josh Allen. They don't get targets in the backfield. That's my biggest problem. So when you have that many weapons, receivers – in the passing game and they're not funneling targets and Josh Allen takes off when he needs to, and he's not checking it down. They're just, I'm not interested in a back that's going to get 10 to 12 carries and barely any passing attempts. And then who gets the goal line work is Zach Moss. I just, no, thank you. I think there's going to be better options based on ADP in that range. Typically you can get better wide receivers. Absolutely. I agree. All right, boys, quick AFC recap there. Again, we have a full AFC breakdown. Everybody else, On the previous episode, episode 372 that we released on Tuesday, you can go and get the rest of the AFC breakdown if you have not gotten that already. We just wanted to kind of catch up with what happened Wednesday and Thursday morning before the show. All right, boys, time to jump into the NFC. Let's start with my boy, A.J. Green, 32 years old now, marred by injuries the last couple of seasons, a one-year deal, $6 million with the Arizona Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald's still at large. There's conversations. He could end up in a number of places, maybe Tampa Bay. Maybe Minnesota, where let's not forget he started as a ball boy, actually, for those Randy Moss teams. So he might be just wanting to kind of go back there for sentimental value before he exits the NFL. Mike Davis gets picked up by uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Two years, five and a half million dollars. All of us were excited to get a running back in free agency to Atlanta. Not sure Mike Davis was at the top of people's list. How do we feel about A.J. Green? We'll keep Larry Fitz out of it for now. Uh, A.J. Green and Mike Davis. So AJ Green's kind of interesting at this point in career. He doesn't seem like he's nearly the same guy he was when he was considered a top five receiver in the league. Um, Being 32 years old now, I I think Christian Kirk is still going to be the second uh, wide receiver in this offense. I think AJ Green is going to have his moments because of the coverage that he'll be seeing with DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. And, uh, you know, at the very least, if AJ Green does, um, require additional help from the secondary and if he does draw a little more coverage then maybe it could be good for deandre hopkins because the way they use hopkins in year one in arizona was just not great you know he he should have been way better than he was last year so uh hoping aj green can help that a little bit i still think christian kirk is going to be the better fantasy option than green but you know uh mike davis uh, again, not the guy we imagined going to Atlanta, but with the money they had, it's it's what made the most sense for them. And this also, kind of like the Tevin Coleman move, gives them an opportunity to draft a running back early, at the beginning of that second round. That's a good spot to get a guy like Javante Williams, um, Travis Etienne if he's there, Najee Harris. I doubt he'll make it that far, but if he does, it's a great spot to pick him. So uh, I, I'm sure it'll end up being a good spot with Arthur Smith as that head coach now. Yeah, I think with Mike Davis, it's really all about the draft. It sounds great, but until the draft happens, I honestly have no reaction yet because if they draft a day two running, change a lot of things. But Mike Davis has shown that he can be confident. I mean, he showed it last year with the Carolina Panthers. He's good in the passing game. He's trusted on third downs. He can do pass pro, and he's actually good between the tackles. So he is kind of an all-around back. So if it does, for whatever reason, he decides that they decide, okay, we're going to go with Mike Davis this year, you better take notice. So he's going to probably be a fourth-round pick in that range, and that's a I'm interested because I like Mike Davis. As for A.J. Green, uh, you know, 
at Larry Fitzgerald is kind of vacating about he is vacating five and a half targets a game. So that's something. I mean, that he'll flirt with about ninety targets or so next year in this kind of offense. The question is, is he actually done? I mean, Joe Burrow, him coming back and Joe Burrow in the early on, they were force feeding AJ Green. It really wasn't working. Then they started using T. Higgins more, and AJ Green kind of fell off, but Joe Burrow. So was it J was AJ Green gonna get his legs under him? We don't really know what he looks like with a competent quarterback when he finally got back into the swing of things. So a speculative, you know, last round pick. Sure. Why not? I mean, this offense should take another step with uh, continuity. Love it. Uh, but another year with DeAndre Hopkins taking away uh, all the, you know, getting all the defensive attention. I think, you know, it's, you could do worse for a last round pick. If, if it's just, you know, one or two weeks, if he doesn't do anything, you just dump. I totally agree. And hopefully for AJ Green's sake, uh, he can stay healthy and we can kind of get, some resemblance of the good old days and and you said it joe joe burrow was peppering aj green early and they just couldn't get on the same page so hopefully he can uh, bounce back in what should be a high-powered offense okay boys uh two names here that aren't very fancy but i just wanted to mention them really quick if you have any comments great if not we'll move on david moore formerly of the seattle seahawks two-year deal almost five million dollars that's why i want to bring this up uh, the Atlanta Falcons spent about $5 million on David Moore, who was the third, fourth string receiver uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and then Dan Arnold, uh, formerly of the Saints, and then with the uh, Car- or the uh, Cardinals last year, gets picked up by Carolina. Um, Ian Thomas didn't do anything last year. Was it Ian Thomas or was it the scheme? Interested there, two million or two-year, uh, $6 million deal there. So David Moore, Dan Arnold, again, not really on your radar, but a comment from either one of you, or we can move on. I mean, I got comments, all right? <laughs> um, you know, the Panthers are vacating like 200 targets. Uh, there, there, so there's room. And not everything's going to go to DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. You know, Curtis Samuel by himself is vacating 97 targets. And that's with Robbie Anderson and with DJ Moore being on the team. So I think there is something there for a guy like David Moore. The real question to me is what does it do to the offense for DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson? Who actually plays in the slot? Because – Curtis Samuel was the primary slot guy. David Moore is not a primary slot guy. So does that mean DJ Moore is going to play more in the slot? I like that because that puts him against nickel corners. So that stuff does interest me for the other players. As for Dan Arnold, it is something to note that he was on the 2018 uh, Saints with Joe Brady. So Brady was on that Saints coaching staff when Dan Arnold was there. So they liked him enough to say, he vouched for him and say, hey, I think this guy could do something for us. Let's bring him over. And like you just touched on, Ian Thomas did absolutely nothing last year as a pass catcher. So maybe Dan Arnold does take over that pass catching role in that offense because of his ties to Joe Brady. And go ahead, Joe. Yeah, no, I was just going to add on Bobby basically hit just about every point we could with these two guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, Dan Arnold did have his moments last year. I remember the exactly. one game he had that like 60 yard touchdown. It was like to start off the game, which was huge for anyone who started them in DFS that week. That was me. But um, that was just luck, by the way. Complete Count luck. Count one, humble brag, humble brag. <laughs> one of my 18 last on, bro. Straight facts. That's all we need. <laughs> I still didn't win any money, but. <laughs> one of my 18 lineups so that was nice but uh yeah i mean dan arnold definitely a later round name to uh keep an eye on if they don't add any wide receivers early in the draft or early enough to deter us um or any tight ends early because that's an option the panthers do pick early ish mm-hmm. i think they pick eighth in the second round on um so that's a spot where they could take up revan jordan or pat Freermuth or someone like that so we'll have to see and with 
Ian Thomas not necessarily – and look, I mean, maybe Ian Thomas is fine and they didn't use him. Nonetheless, they have nice wide receivers, but when you get yeah. in the red zone, if you're not going to Christian McCaffrey, which they will on first, second, and third down, DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson are not big body box-out targets in the red zone. They're just not. They're different receivers. So Dan Arnold minimum could uh, potentially be that body. Mm-hmm. Okay, boys, we got a handful from the Chicago Bears. Uh, We would love to get Dweez in on this eventually as our house Bears fan. Andy Dalton, my man. Andy Dalton, probably, probably (laughs) the starter here. 33 years old, one-year $10 million deal to uh, pick up the slack for Trubisky in Chicago. Allen Robinson franchise tag. We've talked about that quite at length on the podcast, but feel free to mention that. Damian Williams, this is interesting here. Signs a one-year deal with Chicago. Uh, David Montgomery was absolutely fantastic down the stretch last year, played probably the worst rushing defenses that Derrick Henry didn't play. Nonetheless, he did what he needed to do. He got it done and he helped people win fantasy championships. And that's really all people like us remember, but he's a good young back. Tariq Cohen is coming back as well. Let's not forget Damian Williams, in my opinion, against my Niners should have won the uh, Super Bowl MVP two years ago. It goes to the quarterback every time. Mahomes is Mahomes. Say la vie. However, Damian Williams had an uh, incredible game, opted out last season. His mom has stage four cancer and things and didn't want to get her sick. And then he ends up getting ousted by the team and he goes to Chicago. So interesting here. Um, Andy Dalton, Allen Robinson, and Damian Williams for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. So a- Andy Dalton, they're calling him QB1. It seems like they have. How about was that a team tweet? Did you see that? that? Was a team tweet. Yes. Did you see Matt Barry right underneath that? That was like, this is definitely not a fantasy tweet, then, right? (laughs) That was his comment. He's just like, that's right. Definitely not a fantasy tweet, but yeah. Um, Seems like they're committing to Dalton. And I I, look, when you're the Bears, right? You're picking 20th or so in the draft. You're not in a position to get one of the top name quarterbacks. So unless you're going to make a huge trade up into that top 10 or take like a Kyle Trask or like uh Kellen Mond or someone later in the draft, you're probably better off just being like, okay, we have complete and full confidence in our QB one, Andy Dolan, give him all the confidence and all the encouragement in the world. See how good of a job he can do. Because I mean, look, <laughs> Rob's not a fan of Dalton, but yeah, I'm not a fan of Dalton either. But for guys like Allen Robinson, I think this is definitely an upgrade in terms of quarterback play. I do want to see where he goes with his targets because although Mitch Trubisky is not, you know, he's he's not someone to write home about, but he did pepper Allen Robinson with a ton of targets. And that was the difference between him and Foles because Foles like to spread the ball to the tight ends more and stuff like that. So this is a better move for a guy like Allen Robinson who's going to stay around with the team. Um, Damian Williams, I, I think he's going to play that. I don't want to say Cordero Patterson role because it's kind of hard to replicate that sort of role, but that is a, a big hole that they're leaving in this offense. Cause Patterson did take up a lot of those rushing attempts. He was involved as a pass catcher. So uh, I, I imagine like Tariq Cohen kind of playing that out of the backfield slot type role. And then you have Damian Williams coming in as that change of pace. And he definitely has the ability to take away some passing downs as well. So not good news for Monty, and I just traded them away in Dynasty like two days before this happened, so I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I. so my thing is this. Andy Dalton has ties to new uh, OC Bill Lazor from their time in Cincinnati, so there is familiarity there. 
And the one thing I will say is, with with that being said, is when Andy Dalton was quarterback in that first eight games, that was the year it was a disaster. Right? AJ Green got hurt, Andy Dalton got hurt, but there was some. There was an eight game first eight games of the season. He peppered AJ Green. Like I'm talking like nine, ten, consistently double double digit targets almost in four straight games. When I was looking it up, so I think that Andy Dalton in this offense with Bill Lazor with Matt Nagy is going to have no problem leaning on Allen Robinson. And we saw once he came back from his concussion last year, he showed that he was competent. He's still a competent quarterback. He actually, you know, Cooper had his moments, and you know, CD Lamb and Michael Gallup actually started playing a little bit better towards the back half of the year. So I think for Allen Robinson, yes, this is going to probably be not saying much, but it's the best quarterback he's ever had. Uh, in this offense, so that's good because AJ Green in those years with Andy Dalton got like 160, 150. Right. He had a couple big target seasons, so Dalton's proven that he'll he'll focus to one guy. Um, as for Damian Williams, I think he's just kind of I would hope he's just David Montgomery insurance. He does both. He's very good in the passing game, so he, he's a good reliable asset for Tariq Cohen. So that kind of worries me a little bit because now if Cohen gets hurt, they have Damian Williams that could play in that passing game role. So I do think that's a little worrisome, but I think. He's just a do-it-all back, and he also has familiarity with Matt Nagy from their days in Kansas City. So I do think that there was a little bit of a crossover. He knows Matt, uh, he knows Matt Nagy's system, so that's why they kind of tossed it over to him. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, AJ Green was a uh, he was a wide receiver one in fantasy um, every single season that he played at least fourteen games uh, with those Bengals, and again. Bad teams overall, but Andy Dalton peppered him. And if, if Allen Robinson can get those targets again, look, I mean, 150 targets, you know, back-to-back seasons, like that's a massive number. And if he can get that again with more accuracy and hopefully the offense moves a little better than it did last year on consistency, more opportunity to score as well. So Allen Robinson should still be up in that upper echelon. He's not going to win you a week, uh, but he can – Definitely keep you stable weekly there. Okay, let's move on to two quarterbacks. Now, these are situations that we've talked plenty about in the fantasy world. These are old news at this point. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Joe, this is the first we're hearing your reaction to this. And um, I believe Lucas and I broke these down. So, Bobby, you and I haven't talked about these. But quickly, Dak Prescott resigns four years, $160 million with Dallas. Obviously loses half of last season due to that Massive injury. Hopefully he comes back healthy. He looks fine in video and whatever, but you never know. And that offense, unfortunately, they were losing games as a franchise, but he was humming in fantasy football. Jared Goff goes uh, over to Detroit in that swap with Matt Stafford from the Rams as well. So maybe just a comment uh, from each of you on uh, both these guys really quick, and we'll move on here. Dak Prescott. No, sorry. <laughs> um, Michael Brockers definitely had a couple comments about this trade, and it's so <laughs> funny. He had to retract that and try to bring that back and try to make everything okay. I just thought that was the most hilarious part about yeah, this right? trade. <laughs> but um, Dak, you know, I, I felt like we all knew a deal was coming. I don't really think that second franchise tag was going to be there. To- although technically, he did get franchise tagged a second time, so he can't get franchise tagged again in the future. But um. Yeah, I mean, Dak was on pace for, I believe, like over 6,000 yards or something ridiculous after like his five-game stretch. So, um, you know, it'll come to how healthy he is, how healthy that offensive line is, because that's a huge problem they had last year. And if he's coming back injured and they don't have that line to protect him, then uh, it's going to be a scary situation. Um, Jared Goff, huge downgrade for a guy like TJ Hawkinson. 
I'm just not a consistent quarterback by any means. He's got a lot less weapons. Not to no, no knock on DeAndre Swift and no knock on TJ Hawkinson, but uh Quintez Cephas and um Brashad Perryman are not exactly Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. So uh, he's gonna have a little less to work with there. Um but I mean on the flip side, Matt Stafford, that's awesome for him. He could be a potential top ten fantasy quarterback. So kind of a lateral, I don't want to say a lateral move for Detroit because they kind of went, I don't know. It's just such a messy situation with Jared Goff. It's, you never know what he's going to do. Yeah. With Dak Prescott, it's more about one of the things I target the most is teams in the second year of a system. Cause that's when they make the biggest jump. Uh, you know, so it gives them a little more continuity. I know they had a lot of they had the same OC, Kellen Moore, but it was Mike McCarthy's offense. So COVID off season, learning Mike McCarthy's system, it takes time, and then they come out. Yes, it looks good on paper, but their defense was so trash the first five weeks. I mean, I think he his. I think I, I know I might be over exaggerating this, but it was like sixteen hundred yards in the second half or something over those first five games, like some absurd number of just second half yards because they were just getting blown out so much. But I do. Tar- I'm targeting Dak. I think if there's an injury discount at all and he falls to like the sixth round, you know, I'm the latest quarterback guy. I totally get. It. I'm double digit guy. All day, but a guy like Dak Prescott with those weapons coming back is someone I'm going to be interested in if he falls a little bit because of that injury concern. The Lions, I think we have to talk about as a whole because this team got blown up. I mean, new coaching staff, new new running back, you get you know wide receivers, a bunch of new stuff. And you know when it comes to Jared Goff, of course, I mean he's we could say he's, we're going to find out if he was protected by Sean McVay over the last couple of years because his first season under Jeff Fisher did not look good. It was like the worst. He was so bad. So now he's got Anthony Lynn. Not We don't know if he's a true offensive genius. We haven't really seen much of him as a play caller outside of for that one year in Buffalo. But at the same time, they have like 300 targets vacated. So there's going to be someone who emerges from this. What is it Hawkinson? You know, listen, you can say what you want about Jared Goff, but he did support plenty of fantasy relevant players in L.A. So I think there's going to be one, maybe even two guys, especially with all these vacated targets, uh, Hawkinson, to me, I like because Hunter Henry was viable. I mean, he was a low-end tight end. Why? I just don't think Hawkinson has the upside anymore like he did with Stafford in that system last year. I think he's still going to be a low-end tight end one. But I, I'm really interested in that wide receiver, like Tyrell Williams versus Bashard Perriman, if they don't bring in a young kid in the draft, of course. But that two veteran guys who flashed a little bit in the past, I think there is something there. Tyrell Williams has ties to Anthony Lynn for three years in, with the Chargers, so that could be a leg up for him. But Perriman has shown – that he could be a competent wide receiver too. So, and the finally, the, the, who's going to play the slot? Danny Amendola is gone. That's always interesting to me because Jared Goff targets the slot more than any quarterback in the NFL. I mean, look at Cooper Cup. Look at the tight end production from LA. If you watch it, the, the Football Outsiders is a really cool thing called slot versus wide, and they break it down. And Jared Goff on top of the list every time. So. Whoever gets to play inside, which could be Hawkinson because he's in the middle of the field, is going to dominate targets in this offense. Joe, how do you feel about Jamal Williams running back coming over from Green Bay now in there with Detroit? We'll leave you all the good ones, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'll just leave. We'll just me and me and Sky are going to turn off our mics when it gets Kenny Galladay. We'll just let Bobby (laughs) go free range on that one. But um, yeah, I mean, at first, I, I, I felt it was like a huge buzzkill for DeAndre Swift. Um, but, you know, looking back at it, DeAndre Swift was playing like, what, like 34, 35% of the snaps last season. 
on average, like throughout the whole entire year. So when, when it comes down to the end of year and when he started playing more snaps, like he, he was a high end running back two, low running back one. So you take out Adrian Peterson from that equation, you put Jamal Williams in there. Even if Swift is getting 55, 60%, which I think it'll be more than that percent of the snaps, he could still very well be a high end running back two. Um, you know, obviously the offense isn't as intriguing without Galladay and Marvin Jones and Matthew Stafford, but volume is volume. And I, I really don't see where else they can go with the ball. Uh, if they draft like a Jalen Waddle or someone like that, my opinion might change. But as of right now, Bobby mentioned it, 300 vacated targets. Swift's been a very good pass catcher last year in his rookie season. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how they use him. His, his ADP is like top 12. Are you touching him in that range? That's tough. It's tough. I don't want to touch him in the second round. Yeah. If if he can fall to the third, I don't think he will. But if, if yeah. he can fall to the third, that's a spot where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm 100 going to grab him. But um, yeah, second second round is not a spot I want to touch him. I feel like there's more intriguing guys like James Robinson, Joe Mixon, one of my favorites. I know not a lot of people are still on the Joe Mixon train. Uh, Austin Eckler, <laughs> oh, you're on it. Nice. Yeah, choo choo. That and Chris Herndon, we got something. Nice. Giddy up, baby. <laughs> First best friends now. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think a big thing is like people, you know, people had uh, DeAndre Swift and then Anthony Lynn goes to um, the Lions and Bobby actually put out a great tweet of of the the work that Austin Eckler was getting under and, and, and not just him, but I mean, these are, you know, Shady McCoy and some of these other guys yeah. under Anthony Lynn in the past game and all of us started salivating. Well, Jamal Williams has kind of been the like, backup thorn in our side as fantasy players because he takes away from Aaron Jones and blah, blah, blah. The reality is like, he's not Aaron Jones and he's probably not even Deandre Swift, but he's good. I mean, he's a pass catcher. He can run between the tackles. He's a legitimate running back. He's a great personality. He seems like an awesome dude to just have in the locker room. And the chargers have been terribly struck with, with injury to the running back position for years. I mean, um, and if Austin Eckler could stay healthy for an entire season, maybe he would see more of that dominant number one work. But frankly, even when Melvin Gordon was there, Austin Eckler was taken from him. When Austin Eckler was there, we had other guys taken away from him over the last two years. So I think Anthony Lynn, although doesn't have a a for sure RBBC necessarily, he's not a bell cow guy either. Um, And I I just want to make that point that, like, I'm excited about DeAndre Swift, great talent. You know, I loved him coming out of Georgia last year, whatever. But the reality is, like, Jamal Williams is no snuff. And they paid him $7.5 million over two years. Like, that's not like, let's see if it works out money. That's come over here and contribute to yeah. our team, yeah. help keep this kid healthy. And, look, carry on Johnson's around-ish. Um, they could still bring in a veteran just because. And they've been a backfield for a long time that um, has been multiple heads there. So I just – Look, if he's in the, t- I'm not going to rank him in the top 12, and I'm not going to draft him in the top 12. There's no way. So I probably won't end up with any DeAndre Swift on my teams. I would have to wait till like the fourth round. It has nothing to do with him. It has to do with the coaching scheme and that Jamal Williams is actually legit. He's not just a backup. So I'm actually maybe like on the wrong side of the fence for most people here. I was very excited like everyone else, but as soon as Jamal Williams were- went there, I I kind of threw my hands up from uh, DeAndre Swift. I think a big thing about the Jamal Williams thing though is. Aaron Jones was driven by touchdowns. He was a dominant touchdown scorer. Yeah, we don't absolutely. expect Swift to be at 14, 15 yeah. rushing slash receiving touchdowns. 
And when you look at the splits between when Jamal Williams was healthy and when he was on the field, he did make an impact on Aaron Jones. So I just think that when you where you have to draft Swift and right, I just looked it up. It's it's early best ball 1080p is 17. So that's premium middle of the second round. He's he doesn't have the upside because Jamal Williams will have a role. So I think it's just you have to think it's and he's also good insurance. If he's a, he might be just like a high end handcuff because he's going to have standalone value, low end flex, and if something happens to Swift. He could be the bell cow. Yeah. I totally agree. And again, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant personally, but great talent, obviously. And look, I'm not saying I don't draft him at any cost and any of that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, but just, you know, temper expectations. We talked about Jamal Williams. Let's talk about Aaron Jones here. Again, old news, but let's get into it really quickly. Aaron Jones re-signed four years, $48 million. Uh, we thought he was going to leave. Everybody wanted him to go to Atlanta. He ends up back in Green Bay, but they get rid of Jamal Williams. Obviously, we have A.J. Dillon there as well. Matt Stafford heads over uh, from Detroit to uh, the Rams, and we also have Deshaun Jackson coming in at 34 years old, a one-year deal with the Rams as well. So let's kind of combine all these guys quick. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, more of a new fit here, um, but, you know, one-trick pony at this point, uh, and Aaron Jones and Matt Stafford, kind of old news, but want to flip this to you guys here really quick. Joe, I'm always going to concede to the guests, so you go ahead, man. Okay. <laughs> I'll step right ahead. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones without Jamal Williams, I, I still think A.J. Dillon's going to eat into his workload a little bit. <laughs> Let's see you guys clear some way. Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. Joe, I, I don't mean to cut you off, and this is very no, no, rude. No, no, this is awesome. you're, you're a guest. This is unprofessional <laughs> as hell, and I apologize for this. I have to just pause really quick and give a shout out to my man, Rob Berger. Here's why at nighttime, I do TCK stuff and I, this is my bloodline. I've you know done TCK for years during the day. I run a show with Ryan leaf, the Ryan leaf, former NFL quarterback, Heisman finalist, the whole thing. Rob Berger is a huge supporter and listener to that show. And he's on every single show commenting. And now he has come over to hang out with us in fantasy football. And for those Love of you, Rob. yeah, great supporter, Rob. I appreciate it. For those of you not seeing the screen on YouTube on the podcast, his comment here is listening to you guys clears up why I suck at fantasy. I clearly do not do my homework. Jesus, Rob, <laughs> that's why we're here for you, brother. That's why we're here for you. Stay tuned, my man. Always appreciate your love. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sorry, Joe. Go ahead, bud. No, no, no. That was awesome. That's awesome. It's nice to see people going from one place to another, and you got the support. That's awesome. I love to see it. So, hi, Rob. Probably don't know who I am. I'm Joe. <laughs> Joe's the uh, one with the knowledge. Check him out. <laughs> oh, we'll see. We'll see. You guys are, you know, you guys are right there. So, um, Aaron Jones. Again, I, I think A.J. Dillon's going to eat into his work just as much as Jamal Williams did. Um, A.J. Dillon, towards the end of the year, started to get some extra carries. And I believe he had that one big game. I don't know if it was against Houston. I, I forget who they played. Maybe they didn't even play Houston. I should have came a little bit more prepared than that. But, <laughs> but you know, Aaron Jones just vaults himself back into that top 10 running back category. Um, he's he's going to see the passing work. He's going to get the work on the ground. There's no reason to think this offense is going to slow down. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had his second year with Matt LaFleur. Um, other than the offensive line, losing David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley. So they have some holes to fill in that point, which is going to hurt him a little bit. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, just real quick. You said it was he's a one-trick pony. Absolutely he is. But when he does do that trick, he, he does it well. Yeah. I mean, he's still fast. Oh, He's very he's, good at the trick. He's well rehearsed. Yeah, <laughs> he's a very good pony. Um, 
No, but he is still a very, very fast guy. And if he is healthy, I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two games where he just blows up and, you know, it takes away from guys like Woods and Cups. But but again, he's a guy who he'll give you three good games. And then and, even in those three games, you don't know if that's going to be like the time where he blows up. So and, and let's not forget, Matt Stafford is not shy to, uh, you know, fling at 60 yards at oh. any given moment. Um, oh, yeah. And Deshaun Jackson for the last 15 years has been one of the best best ball picks you can make if you play in that format. I mean, he might only give you four games, but he'll probably win you a week each of those four games. So <laughs> like that. Bobby, any more? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say, like, what they were missing over the last couple of years, that Brandon Cooks role. I mean, that's Deshaun Jackson can fit that perfectly for them, that deep threat, because Woods, Cup, and Higby are not those kind of guys, and they need to open up for those guys yards after the catch because that's where they dominate. So that's a guy like Deshaun Jackson can do for them. I think it just enhances the offense if he can stay healthy. I don't know if I'm buying him necessarily as a fantasy asset himself, but I will say this. I might peek at him at the end of the draft because that's upside. It, it, it's Once you get to the last three rounds, you can't lose your league. You can only win it. So those kind of guys can blow up. Um, I think it really helps with Stafford. I am wheels up on Stafford. I, I've said this on the podcast before. I think he could be this year's Tom Brady in the sense going to a new team with a good offensive scheme, good weapons. I mean, this is the best cast he's ever had, and this guy had Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate one time, but this is still, across the board, is probably the best weapons he's had uh, on a team with the best offensive mind. So I think Stafford, to me, is definitely an option later in drafts. I think it just overall really helps him because that deep threat, he's a great deep thrower. So I think that's just going to open up the offense, open up things for Woods and Cup. I think it's great across the board. As a Niner fan, I am quite nervous about having Matt Stafford coming into our division. I'll just put it that way. All right, boys, we got one more, and we're going to take a quick commercial break to give a shout-out to our family over at the Jersey Jungle. Before we do that, though, Jameis Winston comes back, re-signs with the New Orleans Saints one year, $5.5 million, and Ty Montgomery re-signs as well. We're not worried about Ty Montgomery. It's Alvin Kamara all day, and it's Latavius Murray if he needs a breather. But let's talk about Jameis really quickly, and um, if we want to make it a Jameis Taysom conversation we can but more so uh Jameis does get resigned um by the saints and and really you know uh, i think it was it was either the herd i uh or rich eisen show i can't remember where it was i apologize but um there was a uh audio clip of 15 20 seconds or so of james winston talking to a reporter about what Drew Brees meant to him and who Drew Brees was this yeah. last year. And I think Drew Brees just straight up humbled the shit out of Jameis Winston straight up. And um, him being a backup after being the top of the food chain his entire life at quarterback, playing behind one of the top three quarterbacks of all time, getting humble pie all season long, I think it hopefully tremendously shaped his character in a positive and hopefully you can turn it around for his sake. How do you guys feel about Jameis returning? We can stay off of Ty Montgomery for time, but how do we feel about Jameis uh, back in New Orleans? And do you think ultimately it will be him or will it be Taysom Hill with Drew Brees retiring? I think it'll be Winston. I, I think as much as Sean Payton loved to get Taysom Hill out there for a couple of games, I think he really, really likes having uh, having the option of having two quarterbacks on the field at the same time, having a guy like Taysom on the field at the same time as Jameis and just lining him up in all different spots, letting him run into the backfield. So I, I think he likes Taysom in that role. And uh, I think, like you said, Jameis is humbled now. And don't forget that the off season after he left Tampa Bay and went to New Orleans, he got LASIK eye surgery. So 
maybe he's starting to see a little clearer. He's a little more humble. <laughs> he's got a yeah. possession receiver in Michael Thomas. I don't know. Things could be looking up. If he is the starter, if he is like right. Sean Payton goes 100%, James Winston's our guy. Would you guys consider him a top 15 quarterback, top 20, top 10? I, I'd probably say top 15 for me. If he's 100% the starter with Taysom Hill doing what Taysom Hill does, even Sean Payton took a Hall of Famer off the field for like nine plays a game yeah. to let third string tight end run the ball. I mean, so that's going to happen. If Jameis is definitely the guy, then yeah, he's top 15 probably. And look, it might be ugly for the Saints. If I'm a Saints fan, I'm a little nervous because the only thing I remember is 30 interceptions from Jameis Winston. Nobody talks about 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. They talk about 30 interceptions. If he can cut that in half or even 20, he should be fine in this offense with his defensive coaching staff. I'm okay with him. But look, fantasy football, even in that season he did that, he was top six, I believe. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, when he got hurt, he was top six as well. So these guys should be just fine. You know, my thought process is if it's really important for the team as a whole who wins because Taysom Hill is going to carry his own fantasy value as a runner, but he's going to deflate guys like Kamara and Michael Thomas because he's not as a pure thrower like James Winston. So it's really important for us to monitor uh, who – because it doesn't – it's not like, oh, yeah, whoever wins, it doesn't matter. It does really matter because Michael Thomas to me – with Jameis Winston is more justified as a top 10 to 12 wide receiver. With Taysom Hill, not so much. Alvin Kamara is more justified as a top five running back with Jameis Winston. Taysom Hill, we saw that he did not get the passing game work with Taysom Hill last year. So that definitely changes how you draft Kamara. Um, my thing too, problem with Jameis Winston though is, yes, I love Michael Thomas and I love Alvin Kamara, but there's a lot of unproven guys behind him. Jared Cook is gone. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Now you're looking at younger players who haven't proven anything yet in that receiving core. Adam Troutman, for example, at tight end. Now Jameis has proven he loves tight ends. So Adam Troutman could be a sleeper. We've seen plenty of tight ends dominate in a Sean Payton offense. So I think from a fantasy perspective, I would like to see Jameis Winston win out. But I just don't see him have the weapons around him to be a top 12 quarterback next year. I agree. And we shall see, of course, it's going to be a position battle heading into to yeah. training camp. But uh, I see it being Jameis overall and, and Taysom Hill still having his role. OK, boys, we have quite a bit to get into. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to the Jersey Jungle. Once again, make sure to DM the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. Use the promo code TC. K three letters TCK 10% off of one Jersey 10% off of two jerseys 15% off of three or more jerseys we talked about this last time these are game authentic jerseys bring you back up here this is an opportunity to get a jersey like I have right behind me Justin Herbert I got from the Jersey jungle nice clean fresh it is stitch and twill I can't quite show you that but this is it's not the uh, the pressed on, right? This is like sewn on, legit, worn, uh, nice, uh, fits perfect. Um, and I uh, really appreciate what they have going on. These are jerseys that started about 60 bucks before the TCK discount. If you go to NFL.com, you're going to get this Justin Herbert jersey for 120 bucks. Feel free to Google it right now. I promise you, this jersey behind me is $120 on NFL.com. Through the Jersey Jungle, it's 60 
And if you use the promo code, you get 10 to 15% off of that as well. So feel free to do that, please. And all of, all of the uh, fantasy football analyst family out there as well, feel free to use our promo code as well if you'd like to and uh, get ahead of one of these new free agents. Maybe one of your favorite players just left the team, so you want to get some of that nostalgia and keep it, um, or you want to get maybe a, a Bucks jersey from the Super Bowl or claim your team this year. Jump on one of your fantasy football uh, heroes, whoever it is. Feel free to jump in there and grab yourself a jersey from the Jersey Jungle. Once again, that is at the Jersey Jungle on Instagram specifically is where they like to be connected. Use the TCK promo code for 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. And before we go any further, I want to uh, give a quick shout out to our man, Joe Volpe, the fantasy football analyst. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> My man, Joe Volpe, uh, Joey, uh, Joey, you're Joey. Bobby you? and I are big, Joe, uh, Bobby and I are big fans. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much. I want to give a quick shout out as well to one of my best brothers in the business in the uh, comments here really quick tuning in. Fun fact, everybody, this guy right here, Curly8812, if you've been with the TCK pod since the beginning of 2018, Curly and Daniel and I started this podcast before Lucas, before Bobby, before Dwayne, Curly and I started this podcast. Childhood friend of mine. Uh, grew up in the Bay Area together, and uh, he is off to bigger, better things um, in Arizona these days. He lives down the street from the fantasy footballers now, uh, but started with the TCK pod. So, Curly, you know I love you, brother, and uh, blessings to you and the family, my man. All right, let's continue on here. we got a lot to cover, so I'm going to shave out a handful of these irrelevant names for fantasy, but let's get into the rest of the NFC breakdown for free agency. And give me just one second, please. Okay, and Kenny Galladay, 27 years old, signs a four-year, $72 million deal. And then if you want to mention Kyle Rudolph, also goes from Minnesota to the New York football giants, our resident New York football giants fan. Bobby, take all the time you need, my man. Kenny Galladay heads to the giants. Well, sweet, just sweet emotion. Just I love it. I mean, so this is the thing about, Kenny Galladay is extremely important. He gives uh, Jason Garrett that Des Bryant, Terrell Owens factor player in his offense. We've seen dominant target seasons from those kind of guys. Darius Slayton was an outcast as a true outside number one wide receiver. We saw plenty of times when he got shadowed by better cornerbacks. He got completely shut out. You cannot shadow Kenny G. Trust me. I've actually looked into it. He is a monster even against shadow coverage. But he now get, puts those other receivers in better positions. You have Darius Slayton, who's that vertical outside threat. The Terrence Williams role uh, is a much better suited player against second or third third corners. Shepard kicks into the slot, which he is fantastic at doing with Golden Tate out the window. Now he can dominate nickel corners. He doesn't have to be the focal point like he was last year. And as for Kyle Rudolph, listen, Evan Ingram to me – yeah, they talk a lot about they can make the different personnel, but Evan Ingram's a glorified slot receiver playing a tight end role. He is a big physical specimen, but does not block. Kyle Rudolph is your Jason Witten. So Jason Witten dominated for years in this offense. He is like, I mean, Kyle Rudolph's like a replica of Jason Witten, you would think. So I would like to see Evan Ingram leave just to open up more targets. But even if he stays, it puts this offense in a better position. I think it puts Daniel Jones on his second season with Jason Garrett 
firmly. I think he's a sleeper to be a top 12 quarterback, especially because of his rushing ability as well. And overall, I just think I'm super excited just as a Giants fan because I, I just I, I got to go to the Jersey Jungle and get myself a jersey. Absolutely do. So make sure you go to the Jersey Jungle on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle TCK pod, my man, Bobby. I'm really stoked for you, man. There's nothing like one of your favorite players going to your favorite teams. I had my Kenny Galladay moment was many, many moons ago when the one and only Randy Moss gave the 49ers a few games. And uh, it was he, you know, he wasn't uh, he was Randall Moss maybe at that point of his career, but nonetheless, it was awesome to have another Hall of Famer sport in the Niners jersey. So so I, I, I appreciate that. Okay, we're going to go from Kenny Galladay and all that stoke from my man Bobby to none other than Joe the Hitman Flacco. Ooh. Signs a one-year $4 million deal in Philadelphia. I literally don't even want to talk about this, but I have to mention it because it's our responsibility as professionals. My question to you guys is, serious conversation, if Jalen Hurts goes down, does Joe Flacco – Obviously, a completely different quarterback and a skill set. But at this point, at 36 years old, a backup for the Jets after you know 15 years with the Ravens, does Joe Flacco really give the Eagles an opportunity to win that division if Jalen Hurts were to go down in, let's say, week four? No jinx, knock on wood. Um, better than Nate Sudfield. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, a, little, a little stab at Sudfeld. Yikes. <laughs> Stuff. You're not supposed to call players out. Come on. Friend of the, friend of the podcast, Nate Sudfeld. Hey. Oh, you're <laughs> Waiting for the, the YouTube comment on the little <laughs> sorry, Nate. I just never we take we'll take it back. We'll take it back. No, I uh yeah, I don't I don't see it happening. Anything in to mention here about Uncle Joe? No, but I, I think if you watch the game last year, he had an awesome game against the Pats last year. And he was doing it with Perriman and Mims and those guys. He actually looked better than Darnold. He's, I think he's the perfect backup. If you need three games, he can get you two to one. And the problem, though, is Joe Flacco is not in the stage of his career where he's going to elevate a bunch of talent around him. So they cannot do a long stretch. But if he needs to play a spot start here and there, he could definitely put him into position to win. The Jets he showed it with the Jets last year. So. The, there's, the Eagles have bigger problems, like skill position players, before they worry about Joe Flacco stepping in for Jalen Hurts. Fair enough, folks. You heard it here. I think uh, Bobby's going to go get that three-pack of maybe Kenny Galladay, Joe Flacco, and someone else from the Jersey Jungle. I love to see that. Joe's, Joe's done. You already got it. So. <laughs> already, already in the mail. Love it. All right, boys, let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks here. A lot of talk about Russell Wilson. We'll get into that kind of stuff later on here. Chris Carson, 26 years old, comes back, re-signed 20, uh, for two years, $14.5 million. Alex Collins, this is like his fourth time on the Seahawks, I think, kind of pulling a Ricky Henderson here. Uh, Alex Collins, also 26 years old, feels like he's 36, re-signed for a one-year deal as well. Gerald Everett, this is actually one of the sneaky best signings, in my opinion, of all of free agency. Gerald Everett, also 26 years old, one-year, $6 million, the tight end, formerly of the Rams, now with Seattle. Once again, Chris Carson and Gerald Everett um, with the Seahawks. Yeah, so Chris Carson was a little bit of a surprise. I, I feel like when they, he didn't get franchise tag, which wasn't all that much of a surprise. <laughs> Rob's not a fan of, fan of Flacco. Rob, that's my man. That's my man. Oh, the Super Bowl, yes. But, um, yeah, so Chris Carson coming back, kind of a little bit of a shock. I feel like a lot of us thought he was going to move on. But uh, I guess he really didn't like the offers he was getting or wasn't getting the offers. Seattle said, eh, screw it. We'll bring him back. Um, so with, with Carlos Hyde not being there, 
Chris Carson kind of jumps back into that uh, borderline running back one conversation. Um, I, I believe he was on pace for around 50 catches last year, which is a huge. Um, he, he did get a good amount of uh, volume in the backfield last year. And without Carlos Hyde there, it'll open some extra stuff up. So it'll be interesting to see what Seattle does in the draft. They are the type of team to like draft a running back now in the first like three or four rounds, just because that's like what they would do. I mean, it seems like they're the team every year that's always on their sixth, seventh string running back towards the end of the year, getting forcing Marshawn Lynch out of retirement and, uh, you know, bring back like Robert Turbin and stuff like that and just trying to get the wheels turned. So, um, <laughs> and the name you haven't heard in a while, right? <laughs> I love it. Love Christian it. Yes. Michael still around or what yeah. Oh man, that was the sh- that was it. That was a good Michael, four games, huh? That was the best hype. <laughs> never they should do a 30 for 30 on him. I mean, Thomas never... Rawls. I mean, like, you know, yeah. we have many options, but I, I I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that goes to show why, why Alex Collins is back with Seattle. I mean, they brought him back last year because of the familiarity with the team, and they didn't have any running backs. So Alex Collins makes his way back. Uh Gerald Everett, familiarity with Shane Waldron. Um, that's going to be huge for him. And again, like I I mentioned before about if they bring in Antonio Brown, but if if Russell Wilson's throwing, throwing 35, 30, 35 touchdowns, I mean, Gerald Everett might be in a spot where he ends the year. Sure. He might have like 30 catches for 300, 400 yards, whatever it might be, but he might have eight touchdowns when it's all said and done as well. So I'm sure he's going to get hit. That's a top six, eight tight end. Exactly. It's he not gets, that hard to be a top sounds 10 alone, tight end. You know, yeah. Exactly. It, it's not that hard to be. So that's just uh, my thoughts on those guys. What about you, Bobby? Yeah. So with Carson, I think it's a lot of people are going to have a stigma around him, right? They're going to like, it's old news. But the thing is, he is a stud. Right now, his ADP and best ball ends is in the 50s overall. That's a buy all day. I mean, listen, I know we get tired of drafting the same players all the time, but he's proven that this offense, they love him. They gave him good money, and the thing is, too, Rashad Penny's his only real competition, and Penny, I know we're talking about Alex Collins, but Penny has not proven to be healthy yet. So I think Chris Carson, especially in a Russell Wilson-led offense, is a perfectly fine third-round pick, and you could probably even get him in the fourth, so it's something to monitor. As for Gerald Everett, he's in, like you just touched on perfectly with Shane Walden. He's in the unique position where he actually knows more about the offense by leaving teams. Like Usually the guys have a leg up on him. He has a leg up on a guy like Will Disley. Now, the Seahawks do have a lot of vacated targets. So they have about 140 vacated targets. And DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett already dominate targets. So there's plenty of other players that can emerge. And that Will Disley versus Gerald Everett matchup could be pivotal because they don't even have a third wide receiver right now on the roster that's notable. So something to monitor. I think that Gerald Everett versus Will Disley could produce a tight end one next year. I think Gerald Everett might be my – he might be my Logan Thomas call that Bobby had last season where – Nobody was talking about Logan Thomas. Bobby pulls him out of the woods and crushed it. Um, I Gerald Everett might be that guy for me. Uh, Russell Wilson wants a tight end. They He targets the nine tight ends that they have on the team. None of them are as athletic or capable as Gerald Everett. Uh, and, of course, uh, Greg Olson now gone. Okay, boys, we got a couple more guys here. We're getting long in the tooth. Let's blast through the last couple. Don't really need to, to talk about my Niners too much. Rob, if you're still with us, feel free to, to chime in um, and let me know how you feel about the 49ers. Um, Kyle Juszczyk comes in 29 years old, five-year, $27 million. This is a lot of money for a fullback, three-plus for a fullback, which is great. Um, 
And then Jarek McKinnon is still at large, and he's just on the list. Kyle Juszczyk is not a fantasy name, but he is the glue that makes everything happen in that offense. Great pass blocker, kind of a Rex Burkhead, if you will, uh, pass catcher if they need him. He ends up scoring four or five touchdowns a year. You don't play him in fantasy, but he is the one that allows Mostert and Jeff Wilson to be who they're going to be. Um, so keep an eye and uh, you know give a shout-out to my boy Kyle Juszczyk. All right, let's move into the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. Again, kind of old news at this point, but let's talk about the defending Super Bowl champs. Chris Godwin, still just 24 years old, franchise tagged by the Buccaneers. Rob Gronkowski, 31, going to run it back with Brady, one-year, $8 million. And then Leonard Fournette and A.B., Antonio Brown, still at large. A lot of conversation all over the league. These guys are trying to get the bag after – winning a Super Bowl. Um, and both of them did con- you know, contribute in the uh, back half of the season in, in the Super Bowl, but nonetheless getting it done. So the Buccaneers pretty much running it back on offense and defense. A lot of offensive line moves we don't talk about in fantasy circles, but like they have done such a great job taking pay cuts around the block to make it happen again, re-signing their defense and everything else. So how do we feel quickly about Godwin and Gronk returning back to uh, Tampa Bay? And we'll save Leonard Fournette and Antonio Brown when something actually happens with these guys. Yeah. So, so Gronk is going to be interesting with OJ Howard coming back, who just a lot of people seem to just forget he exists. But yeah. yeah I mean, OJ Howard's going to come back and he seemed to be the guy before he got hurt and he was the one getting the most targets. But once OJ Howard did go down uh, in that second half of the season, Gronk started to turn it up. He started to get games where he was scoring. He started to get games where he was getting targeted a lot. And then that kind of translated to playoffs and eventually the Super Bowl where he caught two touchdowns. So um, it's second year back off retirement. He's still working hard in the off season. He's still huge. You know, he he's still the same personality. He's still the same person. So you can't discount Gronk potentially being that top 10 tight end. Uh, it, it's always going to be a possibility as long as he just exists, especially if Antonio Brown doesn't return because he's another guy who has taken up a lot of targets. And I'm sure Bobby's got the uh, vacated targets ingrained in his brain right now. <laughs> 138. There, see, there you go. <laughs> just off the top of my head, about 138. <laughs> Something like 138. But um, Chris Godwin coming back, it's going to be a very similar situation to last year. But now we know comfortably that Mike Evans is the wide receiver one in this offense. We know comfortably that Mike Evans is going to get his share and uh, he's going to be the main guy that you want to go after. But where do you guys have Chris Godwin ranked? Because I feel the wide receivers are so hard to rank this year. I've tried to go through the list and make the order, but Chris Godwin just ends up falling to the twenties, which doesn't really make sense to me. I feel like he should be hired, but yeah, Scott, let's take that one. Oh, between 15 and 18 for now. I mean, in PPR, it's going to be a little bit more, but, you know, Brady wants Mike. I mean, here's the deal. I think Bruce Arians wants wants Mike Evans is the number one, and I think Brady wants Godwin is the number one, just the style that they're playing right now. But nonetheless, I mean, you know, Mike Evans had had a couple rough games where he literally had one catch or two catches, two targets for a touchdown, whatever. Um, but Chris Godwin's going to get work. I am a little – it all comes down to AB. If AB is definitely not on the Buccaneers, then I'm going to have Chris Godwin top 15 for sure. And Mike Evans, both of them. If AB comes back, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm probably going to fade them both in drafts anyway. And the, the drafts, the rankings will be lower sneak attack name. And again, and we'll get into this when we talk about the fantasy or the free agency backwards conversation next week. Um, 
keep an eye on Tyler Johnson, especially if AB does not come back. That kid's legit. Brady loves him. Um, I, I think Tyler Johnson, honestly, at this point of his career, could be an upgrade over Antonio Brown. And don't hear what I'm not saying. But I just think that that uh, Tyler Johnson is is legit, and if AB doesn't come back, he's a great name to target late in your drafts. I think you're going to get a great discount on Chris Godwin because of his injuries. Um, listen, Bruce Arians, you can say what you want about the – he's a vertical-style offensive guy. He loves to attack downfield. I love it's Brady's second year in his system or whatever hybrid system they threw together over the course of the season. I think there's still room to grow. I think that Brady is going to get more comfortable with these guys, and that's only fantasy gold. Godwin right now is ADP, best ball 10s, which is early. I totally get it, but it's in the 40s, and that's a fourth-round pick. I think that makes him – to me, we've seen over the years, even Bruce Arians, his scheme has a big slot receiver, Reggie Wayne, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, even way back in the day, Quan, uh, in Quan Bolden, like those kind of players have dominated in the slot role for Bruce Arians. And, I mean, sorry, not in Quan Bolden, Heinz Ward. Yeah, I'm like, I must be high. Anyway, I'm just saying, like, there's been big slot receivers that have dominated in Bruce Arians' specific scheme. That's Chris Godwin to a T. And, like, you look at his targets when he got healthy. I mean, listen, they were kind of – he was in and out of the lineup. But towards into the playoffs, you know, 12, 7, 9 type of targets, that's what I'm talking about. Coming from a Hall of Famer, I think A.B. does throw a wrench, but that's when A.B. was on the field. So there, and if, if Leonard Fournette leaves, there really isn't now James White going back to New England. There is no pass catching running back either. So there's not a running back that Brady's checking down to constantly. He's he's pushing the ball downfield. I think the OJ Howard thing is something interesting because now you have great OJ Howard and Rob Gronkowski. Like and Bruce Arians for what he doesn't really use tight ends that much. So I think it's 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 going to be crowded, and I think it's going to be something hands off for fans. Keyshawn Vaughn, pass catching running back. I just think – listen, so when you look at Brady's not Ronald career, Jones. Well, I, I just – this is my thing. If you look at Brady's early career, when he had weapons, he did not check down to his running backs. He was throwing to guys like Aaron Hernandez, Gronk, Wes Welker, because he had talent. Over the latter half of his New England years, James White arguably was his best receiver behind Edelman for like two-plus years. He didn't have anybody. So That's everyone true. thought Brady's checking down, but this year he proved he's not – that was because he had nobody. I mean, look what Cam Newton did with those guys. He did nothing. So I think I think when he has the weapons, he goes to his best receivers, and that's what he proved this year. Fair enough, man. I like that take a lot. All right, boys, let's end up here. Uh, Rob's got a question I'll get to at the very end, uh, but let's get into the Washington football team. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 38 years old, one-year, $10 million deal. Curtis Samuel coming in for the Panthers, 24 years old, three years, $34.5 million. That's significant coin from my man Curtis Samuel. Adam Humphreys. Coming in here, uh, started with the Titans, I believe, and the Buccaneers, 27 years old. And then you have Lamar Miller as well, unfortunately, um, on the back end of his career. So uh, why don't we uh, focus on Fitzmagic uh, and Curtis Samuel? Yeah, so Fitzmagic just he, – he's going to elevate this offense to I, – I, I mean, look at like what Terry's been playing with for the last couple of years. Let's see if we can name off some of these quarterbacks. Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen – Taylor Heineke, and that's that's the guys he's had to play with, and that's not good at all. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, say what you want, he's a significant upgrade because at the very least, he's a guy who's going to jam it down the field. He's going to put his players in a position. Oh, Bobby's salivating right I now. I love I'm gonna, it. Jersey <laughs> jungle, I'm going to get a Fitzpatrick jersey. It's Flacco Galladay, count it. We gotta, oh. we gotta start a cart, like you know, have the little cart. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's gonna be full at this point. But 
Uh, hey, buy three or more. What is it? Fifteen percent off. Yes, sir. It is. And the code is what's the code? What's the code? TCK. TCK. Easy. Easy. <laughs> but um, Curtis Samuel. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Maybe get a Curtis Samuel jersey. Too. I mean, so many opportunities. Yeah. Um, Curtis Samuel. Where is he going to play? Is he going to play in the slot now that they have Adam Humphreys there? Yeah, Maybe a little bit more of Curtis Samuel on the outside, but again, at this point, Adam Humphrey's career. How old is he? Is it? I'm, I'm trying to wait for the graphic to like. <laughs> uh, 27 years old. 27. Oh, okay, so he's still on the younger side. I was going to say if Adam Humphreys. I, I don't even know how long he's been in the league at this point. But if he's a little older, maybe we could see Curtis Samuel dominating the slot. Adam Humphreys coming in as kind of like a relief type thing. Uh, Cam Sims. I think they liked him on the outside in the latter half of last year. So. Maybe there's potential for him to be there, Curtis Samuel in the slot, and then Adam Humphreys filling in. I don't know. I, I, I want to see where these guys line up. I want to see how they use Curtis Samuel. I'm sure we'll see they'll use him in the backfield as well. And this is the perfect football move for this team. I think it's great. He's a great compliment to Terry. Uh, he's exactly what this offense needed next to Terry. And it doesn't even hurt Terry to the point where if they went after like, someone like Kenny Galladay or Allen Robinson or a big name like that, that really could have hurt Terry a lot more. So I think this is a perfect perfect situation for everyone involved including Curtis Samuel who I think could be a wide receiver too potentially it's just it's such a loaded class so it's hard to define him as that but there's a a world where he is yeah I think Brian Fitzpatrick I love it because of the the fact that Brian Fitzpatrick is so aggressive and he's going to he's not going to check it down like Alex Smith we didn't really get to see I mean, granted, last year their talent around uh, Terry McLaurin, it was Logan Thomas, and then it was McKissick and Gibson, probably arguably the best uh, pass catchers because they didn't have a lot of wide receivers. And then Fitzpatrick's coming in, and he's not going to check it down. Like, I actually looked at Fitzpatrick's targets. He actually leans a little bit more to wide receivers than most quarterbacks. He does dabble in tight ends. He's, like, a little bit under your typical towards running backs. So he's going to be chucking it downfield. The thing with Curtis Samuels, we kind of know because he actually – played with North, uh, Scott Turner two years ago and under Ron Rivera, and they know how they kind of use him as a deep threat. And that's interesting because you we saw Curtis Sam. We kind of liked how that Joe Brady used him as a kind of a running back out of the backfield, yards of the catch. Scott Turner didn't do that two years ago. They used him as a threat. Now, there's a huge – so Kyle Allen two years ago was probably one of the worst deep passers in the NFL, completing under 30% of his balls that traveled over 20 yards. Ryan Fitzpatrick – is actually almost 20% higher over the last three years in deep ball accuracy. So if you factor that in, I think it was Curtis Samuel's five receptions on 27 deep targets with Kyle Allen two years ago in this scheme. I mean, if you can get somewhere to 10 to 12 with Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's a huge upside for Curtis Samuel. Deep ball threat, perfect compliment for a Terry McLaurin's more possession type receiver. So I think this is just awesome. I think I'm really excited for it. It's a competition, right? Maybe, um, maybe, maybe, but I think it's good news. I think for the running backs, I think J.D. McKissick won't be as leaned on. I would like to see Antonio Gibson take the next step in pass pro, become a three-down back, become the poor man's Christian McCaffrey. He deserves to be in our hearts. And I want him to become like they used him like McCaffrey just a couple of years ago in Norv Turner and Scott Turner's scheme. So I think Fitzpatrick, let's go, wheels up, Jersey Jungle, make it happen. <laughs> Totally agree. We have one last question here from Rob. Rob, I'm going to throw this at you here. Uh, is the uh, back to the Seahawks very quickly, boys? I want to spend 30 seconds or less on this. 
Is the relationship with Russell Wilson in trouble? Can he still get traded this year? My short answer is yes. You never hear uh, he and Pete Carroll coming out having each other's back. Russell Wilson's not some uh, player to throw a coach under the bus. Neither is Pete Carroll, but you don't have it happening. Uh, They had turf wars in New England for 20 years, and the guys always worked it out for the betterment of the team. I could definitely see Russell Wilson still leaving, um, and it might just come down to the draft because no team in the NFL can give the Seahawks what they want for Russell Wilson. The Bears already tried a couple first-round picks, a couple third-round picks, a couple players. When it comes draft day – there might be talks already and deals done behind the scenes that on draft day we're going to give you you know seven picks or something stupid. If they yeah. do that, then I do I could see him moving on draft day. My short answer is though, yes, it's in trouble overall. Yes, I could see him still getting traded this year. Uh, maybe fifteen seconds apiece. How you guys feel about it? Well, I mean, we basically hit everything on the nail. There's not really yeah. too much else to add to that. Maybe he leaves. Maybe he doesn't. But at this point, it seems a lot less likely that he will. I ain't going to find a franchise quarterback to replace him. I just don't think they grow on trees. And Russell Wilson's proven time and time again he's competent. And you're not – let alone competent, he's great. So He's it's amazing. Hard he's amazing. Exactly. So it's just like it doesn't even make any sense that he's like the winningest coach in Seahawks, winningest quarterback. It's like ridiculous. So I, I don't think it happens because they're not going to get – unless they do some crazy fun thing where they get Deshaun Watson involved, like a three-team mm. trade thing, maybe. But I doubt it. That's a whole nother discussion we're gonna <laughs> we're not gonna get into right now. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, before before we get out of here, I want to give another shout out to our boy Joe Volpe, aka fantasy football analyst on Instagram, primarily fantasy.football.analyst. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. We really do hope to have you back on the podcast, not only again, but hopefully with some frequency. Uh, again, like for real, for real. Uh, Bobby and I both have uh, admired your work for a long time. We've been trying to get this going for quite a while and uh, finally able to have you on. So again, thank you so much for coming and joining us for the last two episodes on Tuesday and again tonight. Appreciate your time and energy, brother. Please let all the TCK Potters know where they can go and support your work. Yeah, so you can go right here, Instagram. I'm, I'm this backwards thing is still throwing me off. <laughs> yeah, right. You can, go, yeah, you can go on Instagram and check me out, fantasy.football.analyst. Got my website, the FF Analyst. Uh, I started doing some TikTok stuff recently, the FF Analyst. Twitter, the FF Analyst. Either one of those two, you'll find me just by any platform. Just find this logo, ladies and gentlemen. You can't lose him. No, he's gone. He's gone now. Just make sure that you check out this logo. Our man, Joe, coming back every time, man. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Thank you so much for joining us, brother. Rob Berger, big up, my man. Thank you again so much for tuning in, buddy. Uh, Rob, we'll see you tomorrow at noon on the Ryan D. Leaf Show, will we not? Dun-dun-dun. All right, folks. Appreciate you guys. Episode 373 in the books, NFC recap to free agency. We'll be back with you next week to turn free agency around and look at the rest of the team now that these guys have fallen where they have fallen. Make sure to, again to follow fantasy football underscore TCK pod on Instagram, on TikTok, TCK pod, Facebook at the Candlestick Kids group page. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sky Guasco, my name. S-K-Y-G-O-A-S-C-O and Bobby LaMarco, a.k.a. FFXFactor on Twitter. And you can find him on Instagram as well. Appreciate you guys. A lot of fun the last two shows. A little bit long in the tooth, but always a pleasure. A lot of information. Hope you guys take care of yourself and each other for our special guest the last two nights. 
fantasy football analyst, a.k.a. Joe Volpe, and my man, Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. fantasy football X-Factor. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we will catch you next time. We are out of here. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.